0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And
1: Storage King.
0: The kings of storage moving annually. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley to run the rule over the past week in the World Game. First edition news with Willem van Dander and shortly and of course during the show we'll be joined by our 250 game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy. While our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson continues to recover from his bout of poor health. A big shout out to Derek who we hope will be back on deck next week. But first up, the Socceroos and Roos have a massive schedule coming up with the qualifying hub in June for the Qatar 2022 to world Cup and the postponed Olympics coming up as well and while we've had the national men's coach Graham Arnold on the show in the past it's been a while so we're looking forward to welcoming back Arnie to talk through the final preparations for this critical next few months of course there's a stack going on at home and around the world which we'll cover including a competition which we don't spend enough time on the CETIAR but with Inter Milan bringing their first Scudetto in 11 years to the San Siro under Adriano Conti, ESPN's man on the spot and regular guest on the show Adriano Del Monte will join us for the reaction from Italy. And with the A-League hotting up, we'll wrap up the hour with the latest in the domestic top flight, as we always do. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos Matilda Central in the wake of another Sam Kerr masterclass for Chelsea. Then the aftermath of the Super League story is still brewing. The Guardian's man on the Manchester beat Jamie Jackson will join us to talk through the fallout from the Old Trafford Glazer protest. What a blow-up that was. We'll cover the rest of the European scene with Dino and I'll wrap it up with Stoppage Time. But, Edge, good to have Arnie back on. I know you know him well from all of your, your trips over the journey and your close association with the national side. But, um, yeah, it'll be great to talk to him about uh, Olly Roos and, and soccer is coming up.
2: Absolutely. He's got a huge challenge ahead of him, not only dealing with the organisational and logistical challenges associated with the pandemic, clashing calendars, you name it. He's got the Olympic Games to prepare for, so... It'll will be a fascinating chat but Rob I'm ready to go mate I had my COVID, uh, COVID uh, vaccination during the week I got mm-hmm. was like, I felt like I was run over by a steam <laughs> train for 24 hours but I'm back I'm ready to go let That's me out of the country right. let me <laughs> out of the country
1: Rob. <laughs> okay well mate just uh,
3: one down uh, 19 million to go and mate,
1: we'll all be heading overseas <laughs> soon. All right well uh, well why don't you kick us off brother.
3: Let's start in Europe. The Champions League final will be an all-English affair for the second time in three seasons, with Man City to face Chelsea in Istanbul on May 29. Neither side were troubled in their semi-final second legs by either PSG or Real Madrid, with Riyad Mahrez finding the net either side of the half for City.
4: It's Foden on the left, he is looking for Mahrez!
0: Manchester City double the lead! That is a giant step! towards a first ever Champions League final.
3: Timo Werner and Mason Mount scored the goals for Chelsea. They're looking to add to their 2012 Champions League title, while City are looking to add to their sole European success, the 1970 Cup Winners' Cup. Rob, two worthy finalists. I think, is there any chance of some flexibility from UEFA to have this one played at Wembley as opposed to Istanbul, given all the logistics it's going to take to get those sides over to Turkey?
1: Or even a a smaller stadium, a purpose-built stadium. I was listening to the BBC and they were talking about lobbying for Villa Park, uh, uh, given that both uh, sides are going to be allowed to have 4,000 fans, mm-hmm. um, you'd think that it would just make sense. Um, you know, I, I, in other eras I would have said no, but, um, but perhaps, maybe, let's just cross our fingers that there's some common sense.
2: And will Manchester City's European uh, title be under conjecture or a little bit a bad taste in the mouth, Rob, because the Premier League and, Man- and Manchester City have been in court, behind closed doors, secretly now, for the past few weeks, and... Um, as, uh, as Manchester City protests the investigation that the Premier League's had into their financials since 2019, City's challenging the Premier League in Britain. Seen the news courts. here,
1: Wong. It looks like he's taken over. Your where fleet,
2: hearings mate. have been held behind closed doors, and where publication material has been. Uh, kept confidential
1: What's going to happen mm. In relation to their European title Or Premier League title oh, Mate look If all there's just, trouble here There's enough blow ups about Around football On the front pages The back pages The in between pages I don't think City will care Mate if they win They'll win It'll be the first time ever And Just, a, just uh, asking and a question Good well. luck to them the Royal, the Royal Blues Versus the Sky Blues uh, Mate I just wouldn't count Thomas Tuchel's mob out Mate they uh, were very Very good against Madrid
3: High drama Over at Old Trafford This week Man United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Has called for fans To conduct Themselves In a civilised manner Following last Sunday's Protest against the Glazer family at Old Trafford United's clash Against Liverpool Was postponed After fans broke Into the ground And invaded the pitch The culmination Of long held Angst towards the Ownership Solskjaer revealed He'd received a Personal apology For the family's Attempt to join the Super League And that he expected A statement from Them soon Rob we're going to Talk to Jamie Jackson From the Guardian Later on as you Mentioned but this Has been a remarkable Postscript to the to the Super League saga Yeah it
1: has been And uh, Jamie Jackson Also uh, from the Guardian He wrote uh, by bio- on Oleg Show as well He's been on the Manchester beat for a long long time now He's one of the most authoritative journalists in the world On Manchester United Let alone uh, uh, the, uh, the whole scene going on around there
3: Staying in England Sam Kerr's 19th and 20th goals of the season have helped Chelsea return to the top of the English Women's Super League With just one round to play Chelsea lead Man City by two points And have a three goal buffer And will face sixth placed Reading in the final match Having already won the Community Shield And Continental Cup this season They've also progressed to the Champions League final where they'll face Barcelona at Gothenburg on May 16. Michael, we have an Australian on the verge of an unprecedented quadruple. This is a huge story in the making. It's a huge story. She's a superstar. She's our Sam. We love her.
2: And uh, there's no excuse for any Australian not to see her Strato stuff because live and free in HD on the soccer broadcasting service SBS on Monday, May 17 at 04.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time might be one of the last times that we get to see the soccer broadcasting services in action, Rob. That's SBS, if anybody did... uh,
1: I suspect that the listeners to this show would know what you were talking about, Michael. Uh, I think they would, but <laughs>
2: it is good that that's going to be live and free and anybody in Australia can watch yeah. Sam Kerr. Yeah, no, and it was uh, fantastic. And, 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 and you're an australian if you don't get up and watch it. Uh,
3: back locally, Jamie McLaren has become the fastest player to 100 Australian National League goals, reaching the milestone in just his 144th appearance on Wednesday night. McLaren's first goal of two against former side Perth Glory made him just the second player to hit the 100 mark in the A-League era.
0: And there it is, Jamie McLaren,
3: as he's done throughout his A-League career, right spot at the right time, and with his head, it's his 100th goal in the competition. Earlier in the week, Bobo became the fastest of 50 National League goals achieved in 72 appearances, and he couldn't resist McLaren, a little cheeky dig at Perth in the half-time interview, said he wasn't good enough when he was a youngster cutting his teeth at that club. Michael, he's... Only 27. We've seen him score goals in this of this tally before, but the thing I've enjoyed this season is he's done what I've been calling on him for years to do more of, and that's to drop back and be involved in the build-up play a little bit more. I don't see him going overseas anytime soon. He's going to stay at City. He's probably got hold of the Socceroos number nine shirt for now, but you'd think he is, yeah, at this point, the most rounded we've seen him as a striker. Oh, absolutely. He's been cheering beautifully kickoff times have been confirmed for the Socceroos four June World Cup qualifiers with some brutal time slots ahead of those who, like myself and like you guys I'm sure, will be watching from Australia. The matches against Kuwait, Nepal, Chinese Tepe and Jordan will be played at 7.30 and 9.30pm local time, which equates, if you're on the eastern seaboard of Australia, to 2.30 and 4.30am. The matches will be played between the 3rd and 15th of June and will be broadcast on Fox, KO, ABC and the My Football Live app. But it does get easier from there guys, that's sort of you treat that as your training for, for yeah. late night Right. matches from there it rolls into friendlier time slots for the euros and then beyond that really friendly time slots for the olympics in japan now
2: for someone who's spent a career made a career of getting up and watching the soccer mm. that 2:30 time slot is such a difficult one because the mm. do you go to mm. sleep early before it or do you stay mm. up and go to sleep afterwards yeah. what do you do no, You just don't want to fall what asleep do you do
1: during the game uh, that's the problem and look my, my some of my fondest memories are of the um, the 2006 World Cup um, when my my oldest son Thomas who is now 20 years old I still remember he was only five years old he got up for every single match and uh, we just loved it um, but they were back in the days where you didn't have technology to tempt you to uh, to just you know to turn the alerts off on your on your phone so that your mates uh, don't ring you up and let you know the score so you get up and just watch it on delay and then fast forward half time and uh, you know you get a, a half a decent night's sleep no, so it's I'm can't only be live doesn't it, man? I know I know, I'm only, I, know, I, know um, I think
2: Rob yeah. no no, Rob, yeah, no we'll our listeners, get, if look. our listeners just want to pile on on Twitter and mm. uh, I'll i uh, will yeah, we'll, we'll this start out we'll, we'll, Edge
1: will start that war again <laughs> because uh, he's usually at the, the event watching it in real time that's while, right having to dig at those who have to stay at home and actually get up in the middle of the night anyway way we'll want to move along uh, that uh, is a good segue into our good mate Arnie who uh, Graham Arnold the national coach of the soccerroos oliveroos he's gonna join us next his first time in a long time we're really looking forward to that uh, stick around Arnie coming up on box to box box to box Can you believe- The Chemist Warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. We've been waiting for a long time to talk to the national coach of the men's side. Uh, We have spoken to him on the show over the journey, but uh, we welcome him back. Uh, It's a busy time coming up over the next couple of months. Graham Arnold, how are you, mate?
5: I'm fine guys
1: What did you lose My phone number <laughs> Arnie uh, You better be careful <laughs> When you say that sort of stuff Mate we'll be ringing you Every month <laughs> But mate look You've got a massive Schedule coming up We all know what's happened Over the past 12 months um, Fortunately in Australia You know A lot of that disruption Is slowly finding its way To a sense of normality uh, But uh, it still doesn't Take away from the fact That you've got uh, Qatar qualifiers In a hub You've got the Olympics Coming up uh, So yeah. you know to, to get us started, um, you know, I want to go back to that um, that announcement about eligible Olly Roo players um, who are playing in the A League um, and, and that they'll remain at the clubs for the A League finals, even though there may be a camp for non A League base players. Can you take us through the approach to this situation and just how you came to the decision?
5: Yeah, look, it was uh, great communication between uh, obviously myself the coaches and the clubs. You know, I did plan for uh, to use the, the March window. Uh, over in Saudi Arabia to give the kids overseas uh, that are eligible for the Olympics an opportunity and a chance because, you know, last January uh, when we qualified in Thailand, it wasn't mandatory that overseas clubs um, had to release the players because it was outside of FIFA window. So we haven't seen a lot of the very good talent that we've got overseas um, at a young age group. So... You know, Saudi was uh, was was looking strong. It was looking good that we would go there in, in the March uh, FIFA window, and that got uh, cancelled. And uh, it just went. And then I went back to you know uh, another plan, and that was around. And I still believe that we need to give those kids an opportunity because there is some good kids overseas, and so therefore. Uh, you know, I got around to the A-League clubs. So obviously, I'm watching the A-League players every week uh, that, that are el- eligible for the Ollie so I'm seeing a lot of them. I've worked with a lot of them, that, so I know them well. So it was more about, you know, you know, uh, coming up with a plan for me was about minimal quarantine and uh, trying to, because I do believe this, if a player gets put in into quarantine or anyone gets put into quarantine before they've got to try and perform, it's always going to be tough uh, on the mental health. So the, the kids... Uh, so I looked at the A-League schedule, uh, again with myself and Greg O'Rourke at uh, FA, and, and I just felt that, you know, instead of taking the boys away, potentially the strongest squad away of mixed, A-League mixed uh, from overseas, and uh, taking them away and then those kids... And missing the final series had potentially, uh, and they would have missed probably six games, uh, which is obviously a lot of games, for the kids, uh, for their fitness, uh, and you know, for, for them to miss that and to take them away from the A League finals, but also to put them back in quarantine before, you know, they come back and they have to go in quarantine before we actually go to Tokyo, uh, which was mid January. Then, uh, you know, they would lose their physical fitness and, and probably the joy of, of, of going to the Olympics. So, you know, we I, I changed my uh, my plan and that was then we changed it to July 1 um, <clears throat> that we could get all the team together and all the boys in Japan. Uh, so I was re- reaching out to the A League clubs that, okay, I'll we'll read the A League players here. If you release the boys for early and on fall July 1, so we can go there and have a three and a half week camp before our first game uh, at the Olympics.
2: Arnie, I want to take you back to January of 2020. It seems like a long time ago with the Olympic qualification tournament. I've been lucky with my work. I've seen a lot of Asian uh, football championships and the men and women, all different age groups. I, I thought that performance in qualifying the Ollie Roos was a very significant one and one of our better. Um, better performances in uh, since we've been in Asia. Um, the The way you managed the squad to get us through close win against Thailand, uh, the home nation, and then a a, a real ding dong battle with Syria. Um, it, it wasn't easy, but um, just on that experience alone, um, has that impacted on your thoughts about overage players? Whether you'll take any, and will you reward the boys that got the job done in pretty? Difficult circumstances in Bangkok back in January of 2020. It seems yeah. like only yesterday, but so yeah. long ago.
5: Yeah, look, again, it's uh, in, a, in, our, our, in an ironic way, COVID has helped. It's been a disaster for, for the whole world and with the pandemic, but for these kids, it's given them more game time and, and more time to get on the pitch. And, um, I, you know, I. After Thailand, you know, I said to the players, it, it, it's all about performance it's, uh, now. And it's all about, you know, doing well at your club to be selected for, for the for the Olympics. And that obviously got delayed uh, for a year. And there's been a lot more players that have come on the map over the last, you know, the, uh, the last eight months, nine months, and, and putting in great performances to break into the Olympic squad. And as I said about the boys overseas. So nothing was promised to anybody that... Uh, That I would pick anybody. It's down to form, it's down to performance. I will not uh, build the Olympic team around three overage players. I think that, uh, you know, for me, those three overage players have to fit into the younger players' uh, team. And when I say that, I don't want to just pick maybe the best soccer player. Or, or as you say, for example, I wouldn't just pick Matty Ryan, for example, as a goalkeeper when we've got a great talent and and Tommy Glover, uh, uh, and, and, and Margouche, and these type of goalkeepers around Australia, and, and stop those kids' careers. So, you know, the we have to be weak in the spot for me to be able to, for me to take an older player.
1: This is Box to Box. We're talking to the... Coach of the National Men's Socceroos and Ollie Roos, the junior side, heading to Tokyo in the next couple of months. And uh, Arnie, we uh, are uh, enjoying your insights here. And I guess the fact that um, you, you know your group now with uh, the likes of Mo Salah with Egypt coming up uh, uh, suggests yeah. that, uh, that you might want to stiffen the spine just a little bit though.
5: Exactly. But what great experience it is for our boys. You know, like I can still reflect back to 2008 and we played Argentina, and they had a front line with Di Maria, uh, Aguero, and Lionel Messi, and Raquel May at number 10. Cool. And we lost 1-0 in about it was the 78th minute, and the boys played out of their skin. And, you know, when you bump into players who were there that night, or and, and, well, that day, and played against Messi, and that they still talk about it. So it, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for the group of players, but also the individual to take themselves to another level. Show that they're, they're being put on a big stage to to show what they what their qualities are and what they've got, and and it can be the start of a whole new journey for, for a player for any individual. Because when I look back at the statistics of of what an Olympic qualification does and the Olympic age group does for an individual, the stats are something like very uh, very close. I might add, is that you know uh, sixty five. Uh, Olympic footballers have gone on to play for the Socceroos, and 56 have gone overseas to the, to further their careers, and that 65 out of the possible 87 or 86 players that have ever played that have ever taken the field at the Olympics for for the Olyroos. So it shows you that that the stats are very heavy towards uh, you know a kid an individual that goes and performs well. That changes his life and changes his career.
2: Let's change tack and talk to about the Socceroos, Arnie. You've got a massive, yep. um, massive qualification or the, the completion of the first phase of qualification in the Kuwait Hub. It's obviously going to clash with uh, with the A League, and um, that must be a tough, a tough pill to to swallow because um, obviously the pandemic has forced calendars to clash. But you know, you've been an A League coach. Um, you've been yep. in the in the seat when. Uh, these sort of things have happened before. Um, yeah. Just how have you approached it and what can you tell us about um, how the, how, you know, what's the impact on a player, for example, who wants to play for their club but also wants to play for the Socceroos and it must be tough at times for players and coaches oh. and people in the industry. It's, it's,
5: it's, it's really tough and uh – you know, my approach was that I needed to get round to the A League coaches because they're the ones probably with the with what I felt when I was in charge at Sydney FC and the Mariners with the with the uh, they're the ones without a voice. They're the ones that have to deal with the situation. Um, you know, I've been harping on for for years about you know having FIFA windows, so then it doesn't put any pressure on any any player, and it doesn't put on any pressure on on any coaches. And sadly that. Since I've been in charge of the Socceroos and the Roos, I've probably lost some mates, at, uh, you know, mates as coaches that I used to obviously play with and get on well with, and it makes it very difficult personally. But <clears throat> I don't make the rules, but, you know. And again, I, I went out to all the A League clubs. I spoke to the coaches. We had a great chat about things, and and you know this year especially, you know you've got 11 out of 12 coaches that are Australian. And uh, that have played for most of them played for the Socceroos, and they they know what how important it is to play for the Socceroos, and they've been super supportive. Um, It just so happens that this clash of finals because normally the finals are in middle of May and and the competition's over, but due to the pandemic, it's been pushed back. But everyone is on side that uh, uh, the 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 coaches and and the clubs and and and. you know, at, at FA Greg O'Rourke, the uh, APL with um, uh, Danny Townsend and Simon Pearce, they're all on on side that whoever's picked for the Socceroos, it's it's an honour for for the club that the player gets picked and, and, and gets taken away to play for the Socceroos. But you know, for me, the most important thing was the communication to the to the coaches uh, around this, and and you know, overall, you know, for me, we've got to get in line with the rest of the world. <clears throat> the rest of the world has people in windows. Freedom of the FIFA windows for uh, for international activity during those FIFA windows takes the pressure away from the players and from the coaches. And international football makes players better. And at the end of the day, the clubs own the players. And and when the kids go away or the players go and play international football and they get sold overseas, then the clubs get the money, not the national team. So, you know, we should work hand in hand with that and make sure that happens in the future.
2: Pretty wise words from someone who's been been around the block a few times. All right, let's uh, let's think forward to the Q8 hub, um, mm-hmm. Q8 City, one of the hottest cities in the Middle East. I think the temperatures when you and the players will be there will be fifty degrees during the day, overnights of uh, the balmy thirty-five degrees overnight. As a minimum, so it's it's obviously going to be uh, difficult t- temperatures, even for the locals. They they admit that um, facilities, pitches, services, all of that stuff comes into the equation. But how many can you take more players? What's the what's the size of the squad? And uh, I believe it's four games in fifteen days. Is that correct?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, four days, uh, four games in twelve days. Four games um, in twelve days. So obviously yeah.
2: that has an impact on uh, the size of the squad, I assume, and and how you approach it.
5: Yeah, look, I have to. Obviously, I've, uh, it's important that I take extra players because for two reasons. One is for the, you know, we have four games in a very short, very short turnarounds, and also, you know, I have to say, with the risk of COVID, if you know half a dozen yeah. players go down, yeah, then uh, we're in we're in trouble. So most important thing for myself and the organisation, and even the A League clubs, is that we qualify for past this next stage. Which I truly believe in when you talk about the, the, the conditions. But no, that, that's, that's an excuse at the end of the day because the other, the, uh, the other nations have to put up with it uh, Nepal, Taipei, uh, Jordan, Kuwait. And, you know, we've, uh, I've already put a ban on the word uh, that you mentioned that starts with H and ends <laughs> in T. Otherwise, I'll get fined as well from the players.
2: Height. Height. You, you would have been <laughs> yeah. on the word height.
5: <laughs> exactly. There's only two letters in between. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and because, you know, once you start talking about it, it gets into the player's subconscious mind, into their brain, and, and then, uh, you know, that, that, that comes up as an excuse. But, uh, you know, in, in at the time of June, you know, right through the Middle East, there's five other groups that are playing in the Middle East. We are one of them. Yes, unfortunately, we're not playing here in Australia, and I didn't expect when I took over this job that I'd be playing seven out of our first eight. World Cup qualifiers away from home but it is what it is and we just get on with it and uh, all I know is is that uh, that, that Socceroo family of, of players you know we're all excited we can't wait to get back together and when we do get back together we're, we're there to excite the fans and and bring back that Socceroo brand
1: Mate, what a brilliant way to finish! Because uh, we all, think income, cannot wait. Uh, we've got the We're best, both worlds exactly. We've got uh, the Socceroos, we've got the Olly Roos we've got the Matildas—a um, heap to look forward to. And um, we've got a an Aussie coach, a proud Aussie, uh, former Socceroo, uh, international player in his own right, um, and uh, a bloke with plenty of experience. Without uh, blowing wind up your own, uh, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, Arnie. We yeah. uh, are very pleased that you are the man in charge, mate. So uh, good luck with what's uh, coming up over the next few months. Uh, we'll be watching you. So reporting on it as well, mate, and uh, uh, every success to you and, and the boys. Thank you, and no luck needed. Thank <laughs> ah, you. I like it. Good fortune, whatever happens.
2: Uh, yeah, fortune favours the brave, and uh, they get to share the spoils of victory, don't
1: they? Oh, sure will. Graham Arnold, the coach of the Socceroos and the Oliveros, big months coming up. Okay, we're going to take a different tack. We're going to uh, talk about a league that we don't talk about often enough, and we've got Damien Tardio on the buttons, a proud uh, young man of Italian heritage. We're going to talk City R. We're going to talk... Inter Milan and they've won their first Scudetto in 11 years with uh, our very good friend Adriano Del Monte from ESPN stick around it'll be a good chat with him next on Box to Box Box to Box Can you believe for chemist warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings,
1: and Storage King,
0: the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial. Goal yes, of all. this is box to box. Uh, we enjoyed our chat with Arnie, but for all of the uh, fans of the city are out there, the Nerazzurri, the Black and Blues, into into Milan, they finally won after eleven years the Scudetto, and uh, we have got our man in Milan, Adriano Del Monte, who has been all over that. How are you, mate?
6: Going well, mate. Thanks for having me, as always.
1: No, not at all, Adriano. So uh, I, I remember being in um, in Italy for my wedding, an- uh, wedding anniversary, my honeymoon in nineteen ninety one when Inter won the <coughs> when? UEFA nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it was thirty year anniversary, it's and a long uh, time ago. Um, it is a long time ago, Michael. And uh, we jumped in the car when they won the, um, the what was this, the, the, the UEFA Cup, whatever it was called back then. And and uh, my my, um, my wife's cousins had the flags out the the uh, the car, and we drove around in. around the Duomo, the the cathedral there, Uh, Milan must have been absolutely going off.
6: Incredible scenes, obviously slightly different given the COVID situation, Mm -hmm. but it was the the first time in a long time that I've seen uh, such a large amount of people come together. But there were cars, bikes, flags all over the town making noise. I was at Piazza del Duomo, Mm -hmm. where obviously the, the famous cathedral stands, and yeah, it was. Tens of thousands of Inter fans. Again, probably not ideal given the COVID situation, but uh, it was special scenes and, and a lot of relief for, obviously, one of Italy's big three clubs who have been starved of success for the best part of a decade. It was their first piece of silverware since the treble with Mourinho in 2010. So not only their first Scudetto since 2010, but also their first trophy. So a long time coming, but Antonio Conte does it again. Five top flight titles in seven top-flight seasons, one of the world's best. And mm. well, what a team and well-deserved.
1: And only 51 years old, he seems like he should be much yeah. older than that. Uh, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, he, uh, he he did it in his uh, one season at um, – uh, at um, Chelsea, and of course, uh, three times at Juventus uh, to 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 beat the, the old lady, um, uh, where he is so deeply connected. Um, he, he at least, uh, you know, he's a man who understands the nuance and the subtlety uh, of uh, of fans at football. That he uh, he didn't come out and uh, and and over the opposition. He accepted and respected the fact that he has that history there. But uh, but um, he he's a, a guy that um, that just lives, breathes football and and. And just gets the the job done. What about Romelu Lukaku though? I mean, he looked washed up, didn't he? And um, he, he, I mean, he didn't win it off his own boot. But without him, um, there wouldn't have been a, a title.
2: Well,
6: no. Look, many have been debating that fact here in Milan the last few days. Who was more integral to their success? Was it Conte? Was it Lukaku? And look, obviously for me, the two key figures, no doubt about it. Lukaku came into Italy with a lot of pressure. Obviously, big money signing coming across from the Premier League. And he had his doubters, but he has proved everyone wrong because his, his numbers speak for themselves, but also what he was able to do with, with, with Lautaro Martinez up top, forming arguably... One of the best partnerships up top in european football and again as i said the numbers he was one of the quickest ever in inter colors to, to reach 50 goals he scored 20 plus goals in back-to-back seasons he's become the first player in sedia history since the stats have been taken to score 20 and have 10 assists in the same season he he loves the club he's spoken openly about how much he loves life in the city which i can attest to is, is a great city to live in so look he's really made the most of, of an opportunity. It looks like he's a he's a new player, new lease on life. He's he's happy, he's positive and and he's he's got the reward. And he look he's been one of the best players in, in European football this season. For me, he will certainly win the SETIR MVP award as the best player in the competition. And well, they're already talking about now building on it next season. They're one Scudetto away from the second star, the twentieth Scudetto, so that's already their aim for next season. And personally i'm really keen to see how they fare in europe next season as well with another crack of the champions league
1: this is box to box we're talking to adriano del monte australian melbourne boy but living in milan he reports for espnb in sports uh, he's all over the city R, uh, and uh, he uh he's telling us all about the uh, the, the the wonderful uh, victory of inter milan in uh, the city R. Uh, their first in 11 years
2: adriano um i'm Keenly now, look, I mean, 13 points they lead uh, at the top of the table into Milan, but let's focus on uh, the remaining three positions in the top four. Such a key position to, uh, to finish in for, obviously, European qualification. Napoli in fifth positions, two points behind Atalanta, Juventus and AC Milan. I mean, uh, can the old lady slip out of the top four?
6: It's a very good question and look they absolutely can. It's uh, It's been a very disappointing season for Andrea Pirlo obviously in a very difficult position this first season thrust into the job days after being given the, the job of the under-23s but if you're looking at their run home they still have to play AC Milan this weekend in the most important of them all and then there's Sassuolo, Inter and Bologna so it's going to be a tough run home. They can definitely miss out, and what that would mean, well, we'd require another show for that because that would be a disaster if Juventus were to miss out on the Champions League. I think Atalanta, of the four you just listed there, I think Atalanta will finish second. Atalanta, the story of Atalanta is is incredible. Mm. Uh, Inter winning the Scudetto is great. Juventus potentially missing Champions League is is an epic story, but Atalanta just going under the radar and again going back to the Champions League, given their very limited resources, are quite extraordinary. And then Milan, Napoli, even Lazio as well, they've still got a game in hand. So it's going to be very tight, in the run-in. Look, in the end, I will tip that Atalanta, Napoli and Juventus will make the top four. I think Milan will incredibly miss out. And incredibly because they were winter champions and top of the table only a couple of months ago. So I think Milan will miss out. But the match this weekend, Juventus-Milan, that's going to go a long way to determining who
2: finishes in the top four. Adriano, obviously for people that are listening right around Australia, Atalanta, um, the home home city of Atalanta, Bergamo, uh, only a couple of hours drive from Milan and was the scenes of uh, the calamity of COVID-19 pandemic in the early stages. So um, there's so many stories uh, overlay in relation to Atalanta's continued uh, success with not only low budgets, but there's a. I think everybody uh, who follows Italian football has them as their second team for obvious reasons. Um, I'm interested to to uh, to get your thoughts on. Uh, Zlatan uh, Ibrahimovic, he's uh, re-signed for another year at AC Milan, but he's under investigation, I hear, because uh, your wife er suspects that he has some shareholding in quite a large betting agency. That is
6: correct. The, there has been word of this here on the ground in Italy for a couple of months now. Obviously, still early stages, the, no, no sanctions or no fines at, at this point, but there is that investigation uh, that is ongoing at the present time so it will be interesting to see obviously Zlatan has recently signed a one-year contract extension he will be 40 in October he's on 7 million euros so look he's still as important as ever so from Milan's on-field perspective the fact they've invested in him again for another season this is the last thing that they want but yeah, again, the early stages of this investigation ties to to a, a betting operation somewhere here in Europe, and obviously not what you want heading into, you know, a, a, his twenty whatever career at season as a professional. But look for Zlatan and Milan; it's a really interesting time. As I said, they are at risk of missing the Champions League despite their dominance in the early stages of the campaign and now question marks about purely their manager will they sack him will they bring in someone else so Milan what they've struggled with over the last years is just consistent stability they've just chopped and changed far too often and and I fear that if they miss the Champions League what looked like a stable cycle may need to potentially start all over again.
1: Mm, and that will be a blow up at the Milanista if that happens. Uh, we can't let you that go though. Um, without uh, talking about the uh, the new coach at the Roma, the Eternal City, he's going to replace Paolo Fonseca. He uh, was given his marching orders from Spurs. They uh, they then went on to lose the the League Cup final. <laughs> Of course, I refer to Jose Mourinho. He's got his own uh, wonderful history um, in in Italy. Of course, at the, the, the very club that's won the uh, the title this year, into Milan, winning the Champions League and the domestic title. Uh, how do you think Jose is going to go with uh, with Roma? Of course, they're not going to make uh, the, the finals, uh, um, and uh, um, they're not going to make the finals. The uh, the top six, the European um, qualification. So, yeah, Jose, your thoughts
6: extraordinary signing this one. Look, the word here was that Mauricio Sarri was certain to become the new Roma boss. We did know that Paolo Fonseca was on the way out. And when that news broke, the fact that within a couple of hours, Jose Mourinho was announced, the manager, I can tell you it was an immediate mixed reaction here on the ground. It was a lot of concern, putting it nicely by some Roma fans, obviously off the back of particularly recent results uh, at Spurs for Mourinho but then there was the, the overwhelming sense of a bit of excitement again Mourinho you know that okay maybe we won't get the best of Mourinho on field but you know that we're guaranteed some drama and plenty of talking points off the field and a club like Roma who are a big club in Italy but really have, have been eternal bridesmaids, been starved of success, Mourinho does bring some excitement to the capital city and what I like about the appointment, it is a bold move by the new owners, which, again, may not be the right move in terms of the, the best choice for, for the best football to be played. But new owners have come in. They've, they're spending big on a manager. He's going to earn €7 million euro per season paid by Roma, plus another €9 million euro per season paid by Tottenham. So he'll be on €16 million, euro, which is the highest paid Roma manager by the length of – Whichever straight in history. It is it is incredible the money that they've invested. And I think that shows a sign of I think that's a sign of what's to come. I think Rome will be bold on the transfer market. I think they will look to bring in some some big-name players, and I, I like where they're headed. They're a big club in a big city, and they mm. deserve to be back amongst uh, the
1: Europe's elite. Well, there's no bigger city in the world than Rome. There's some that are equal to it, but none. Uh, Rome is Rome, uh, and it needs to have a, a team that, that wins. So uh, it needs to have a big personality, and you don't come much bigger than Jose, do they, Adriano? <laughs> so uh, we will watch this space, Absolutely. mate. I mean, one thing's for sure, you will bring headlines. We know that. Hey, Adriano. Adriano, great to talk to you as always, mate. Um, we'll, we'll get you back on the line when the, when the Euros come around, uh, as we sort of plot around our uh, our plans to to try and bring uh, a, a, an Australian perspective to to uh, that great competition, mate.
6: Looking forward to it. I'll be all over Europe covering that one with Optus, so looking forward to it and planning to
1: come. Lovely. We love your work with Optus as well. It's probably the only media outlet that I didn't mention of the very many media outlets that you uh, that you work for, <laughs> Adriano, mate. So uh, uh, thanks again for for joining us.
6: My pleasure, guys.
1: Thank you. See Adriano Del Monte. All right, stick around. We're going to talk A-League after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And
1: Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial goal Yes, this is Box to Box. Let's wrap up this busy hour with a bit of A-League. But before we do, guys, the clock is ticking. It's a Mother's Day on Monday. Sunday.
2: Oh, Mother's Day. Whoa. Even no, less Monday's time. It was sh-
1: Monday. Love your mum no matter what. Like the time you left your brother a message on the bathroom mirror with her lipstick and absolutely wrecked it. Did you ever do that? I'm sure I did. Uh, this is Mother's Day. Give mum a special fragrance or some lipstick at a special price from Chemist Warehouse. There's Burberry. My Burberry, 50 mils for just $39.99. Dolce Gabbana for women, the one, 75 mil, $79.99. Chloe by Chloe, 75 mil, $99.99. And Christian Dior, Je Adore. 100 mils for $159.99 if you want to really give mum a treat. Chemist Warehouse is making it easy for you to get to your essential items. You can visit your local store, click and collect to save time, order online, and get free shipping on orders over 50 bucks. Just get it done or call and ask for same day home delivery. T's and C's, and charges may apply. Chemist Warehouse, Willem, have you bought a uh, or something?
3: I haven't. I think it's going to have to be the Adore. Oh, yeah, well
1: done. He's going to deeply dig into the pockets with the 159.99. Or maybe Michael. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you will. Great savings every day. Chemist Warehouse, look Absolutely. after your mum.
3: Yeah. A-leg. A-leg time. First item on the agenda this week is that Perth's ageing warriors, Michael and Rob, uh, out of puff having watched them on Wednesday night against Melbourne City. I think their season looks just about over. They've got that much vaunted attacking glut of players basically but they've only scored 3 goals in their past 6 and Andy Keo in particular looks like he might unfortunately be over the hill for mine. He's 34, he's had 11 starts this season, 16 appearances all up for duck eggs, 0 goals unfortunately. Bruno Fornaroli, 33 has had 18 starts for 8 goals so the output's there but he has not has been nowhere near his dominant self this season. And Diego Castro as well, he's 38, He scored twice from his 11 Starts. We know it's not all about the goals for Diego, but I'm not a fan of that roaming role he plays. I think when he's on the left side, you know, he's still got to play in a structure, and I think that's when he's at his best. But when he's just got that license, Michael, to do as he pleases, I don't think he's so effective. It was made even stranger by seeing Nick D'Agostino and Carlo Armiento, two guys who have had breakout campaigns on the bench. Chris Economides is back, which is which is a great sign. But I think it's time for for Richie Garcia to spend the rest of this season getting more minutes into those guys and uh, D'Agostino, but, for example. D'Agostino, yes, D'Agostino and Armiento, and particularly uh, I think mm-hmm. Keo. The uh, the end in the A League might be near. Interestingly enough, uh, a lot's been
2: said this year about inexperienced coaches. We've directed plenty of heat towards uh, our friends at Melbourne Victory and about appointing inexperienced coaches. Uh, Richie Garcia has a fantastic uh, pedigree and, uh, and a wonderful CV of volume of work in, uh, in his career, but he is an ex- inexperienced coach. I just wonder if an experienced coach was at Perth, whether their results would be better
1: what do you think, Rob? Yes or no? I think you've got to blood them, and um, and Garcia has got a, a fair pedigree on the pitch. Uh, he uh, he's done some good things. They did well over in uh, in but Asia in that bubble. He didn't do an um, apprenticeship
2: like Patrick Kisnorbo, no, for example. No,
1: no, he, he didn't. But um, you know, they uh, <laughs> they still have a couple of games in hand. So let's say they win those, they're on twenty five points. They're on the fringes of the six. So, uh, yeah, they've got ageing players. I think Willem's uh, outlined that p- pretty clearly. I-, I think that's probably the bigger issue uh, than, okay. than the coach. So uh, yeah. I
3: think Richie's done the right thing. I think when you're a young coach and you come into an older dressing room, you give them a chance. You don't just put the broom straight through them. He's given all those guys a chance this season. And I think that as the season's wearing on, on those older legs, they're starting to, uh, to let him down a little bit. So if I was Garcia, I'd start to look elsewhere. Rob, it's uh, a, h- a huge... Pointer and juncture of the season, and there's been a six point clash just gone. It was Brisbane against Western United on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That was a genuine six pointer, and it was a thriller as well. So, Brisbane are looking comfy in the six at the moment. There's another one to come this week, including your boys, the Western Sydney Wanderers. They're mm-hmm. up against Western United at Bank West. Another six pointer, as I say. So, Western United are seventh on 28 points with 19 played. The Wanderers, having beaten Sydney last week in a bit of a surprise, uh, eighth on the same amount of points And with 20 played So if the Wanderers win They've dragged back the deficit of points And matches on Western United mm. If they lose It's going to be really tough So that's going to be a bumper clash At Bank West mm. on Saturday night I'm really excited for it
1: Yeah and, and nothing like a, a derby win To to get your confidence back is there I mean we were uh, tracking the uh, decline Of uh, the Wanderers And uh, and like everyone watching football In this country Had noted how desperate times were uh, For Carl Robinson and his mob But they got the job done They led 3-1 late It was only Bobo's late strike that um, that pulled it back it took, should have easily been 3-1 and, uh, and a very convincing result. So uh, I think the Wanderers, um, are, and I've said it all along, I think that they're uh, going to play in the finals and... I think we, um, we just want to watch that space because uh, uh, even though the Raw did uh, brilliantly to, to get that result against Western United in what was an absolute nail-biter, um, and they'll be there uh, at the pointy end of the season, um, I, I still like the Wanderers.
3: The good thing for the Wanderers, Michael, is it's always when they play against Sydney, despite no matter how badly they've been going, it's it's always a win against Sydney that gets them kick-started. And they've actually got another one coming up shortly in a couple of weeks' time against obviously against Sydney at the SEG. So I still think, I, I can't agree with Rob on this one, I still think they're going to miss out, the Wanderers. Yeah, I think they're going to miss out too. But they just keep signing plays. You know, the Scotty Mac factory
2: came off the bench and scored with his, almost his first touch. So, yeah... Um just an interesting dynamic at Western Sydney at the moment and a huge match against Western United that is a massive game
3: next point I wanted to touch on is just a bit of praise for for Melbourne City and you won't hear me say that often as a Melbourne Victory fan but I think they are now I'm comfortable to say certainties to win their first bit of A-League silverware they lead by six points with the game in hand on second and third and of their seven remaining they've got five at Amy Park um a critical juncture For them last year Having lost that Grand final And then lost Eric Monbeau We've seen plenty Of good sides Go close And then fall apart But they've actually Gotten stronger Under, under Paddy Kisnorvo Despite having a, a Little bit of a, a Quiet start And they're missing Kisnorvo at the moment Who's torn his Achilles So Des Buckingham Is stepping in for now But yeah I think they deserve a bit of Praise for for strengthening Post what could have Been critical blows In losing the grand final And Monbeau
2: Right now as we speak Willem they are the Form team of the Competition They look brilliant When they play They play a beautiful Style of football It's all working for full- them and it just seems to be that three
1: points is guaranteed each week. Yeah, well, we've been critical of uh, that club for for years. Definitely, they've inability right. to get a crowd into the stadium. Yep. So if they can't get yeah. a crowd in the stadium at Amy Park, uh, the way they're playing right now, especially they, for they finals, are... yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and being part of the the broader um, Manchester City uh, football group as well, um, you know, winning and uh, we talked uh, to Adam Lafondra last week, M- Mumbai. Uh, fair Inc of those off the park. They've had that strategic move from mm. the north of Melbourne out to yep. the uh, the southeast as well. Okay, A League. That's a wrap. Uh, we're going to talk Steve Keen in stoppage time. Don't think we were going to discuss that story. Him blowing up at Tony Popovich for, uh, good for blow, calling the players. It was, If you haven't heard of that story yet, Edge should the uh, SBS World Game story. Now stick around for that one in stopper time. But we've got a lot more before then. We've got Jamie Jackson from the Guardian. We're going to talk the uh, the Old Trafford Glazer protest. More Europe with Dino. So that's all after the break on Box to Box.
0: Now this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgley. Oh! For Warehouse, home of real
3: brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving moving. absolutely
1: fantastic. Yes, welcome back to Box to Box Second Edition. News shortly, then a chat we're really looking forward to with Jamie Jackson, the chief football writer of the Guardian. He covers the Manchester beat. We're going to talk about the Glazer protest down at Old Trafford in the wake of Super League. That will be a great yarn. More on Europe with Dino, and stoppage time. We will wrap it up. Willem, you've got a stack more to come. Get into it, my friend.
3: I do, Robin. We've got a huge soccer ruse and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army to kick it off because we know there's a bumper couple of months ahead. Uh, June and July are going to be a huge return to competitive action for both of our national teams and the Oliveroos. And of course, the Green and Gold Army, Michael, behind the scenes have ramped up their work in preparing future overseas tours. To make sure you're up to date with all news as it comes to hand, sign up to the mailing list at ggatravel.com.au. I, I
1: hear he's um, contacted Alan Joyce and he's getting a, a Qantas jumbo painted in the Green and Gold Army livery. <laughs> so, uh, expect expect. expect to see that with uh, all of these Green and Gold Army supporter members of the uh Of the great organisation planning to head over for their first overseas. I reckon you'll do it within 12 months. I reckon you'll take a group within 12 months.
3: I hope so. Matilda's assistant Mel Andretta has this week cast an eye over 26 domestic-based players at the Women's Talent ID Camp in Sydney. With those locally-based players having been precluded from joining last month's Matilda's squad, this camp gave them a chance to impress. As reported last week, Michael, the squad included Lisa Devanna, but there were no invites for fellow veteran Michelle Heyman or, interestingly, Sydney FC's Princess Abini. Notable players that were involved as well as Devanna included Kyra Cooney-Cross and Alex Chidiak and recent box-to-box Box guests Melina Reyes and Georgia Dale Absolutely. Rachel
2: Lowe's in there. I'll throw she's one of the good ones to, to go into there. There's no question about that. But my mail on Michelle Heyman and Princess Sabini is that injury prevented them from participating. But uh, really looking forward to hearing the scuttlebutt from that camp and uh, whether any of those players um, go through to... Uh, Uh, probably another camp which is going to happen in Sweden before the Olympic
1: Games. Rob, Lisa Devanna, do you take her? Yes or no? Absolutely. No question whatsoever. She is the classic football talisman. Uh, She's got the energy. She's got the passion and most importantly of all, she's got the ability. So uh, I think uh, she's the Timmy Cale of the Matildas and you just have to take her.
3: Let's take a look at some of the performances around the globe from the past week. Steph Catley's made her long-awaited return to the pitch, playing the final 10 minutes for Arsenal in their 2-1 win over Hayley Rasso's Everton. With just one game to play, Arsenal looked destined to finish third. And Michael, you'd have to think the season is ending a little bit too soon for, for Steph. She might be a touch underdone heading into preparations for the Olympics. She might be underdone, but she's a quality player. Over in there, 100%? Yeah, I
2: don't see any uh, left-wing player that is going to get close to her if she's half fit.
3: Melbourne City keeper Tegan Micah is set to return to Norway next season having signed a one year deal with top flight side Il Sandviken Amy Sayer was this week selected in the freshman team of the season for her performances for Stanford University. The 19 year old holds a lucrative place in Stanford's All Athletics program and was the only non-US or Canadian citizen selected in the side. To the gents Matt Ryan was backing goal for Arsenal and keeping a clean sheet too as the Gunners beat Newcastle 2-0. Rob that was his second start in three weeks so Mikel Arteta might just be doing a bit of thinking about who is his mm. number one after all.
1: Yeah and making some good saves keeping the gunners in it I, I think he uh, is uh, doing everything that he could possibly do I, we've heard Arteta's quotes in recent times he refers to him as a training beast mm-hmm. um, he's putting all the pressure on so um, yeah look uh, good good news for not only Matty but also for the national side.
3: In Denmark Alma Bill and Michelin remain top of the table two games into the Super League's Championship round they're just four matches away from winning the title and making the Champions League once again. Over to the States, an unlikely source of goals has come from Brad Smith. He scored twice in the opening three for Seattle in the MLS and to Asia to finish, Aaron Moy scored a genuine bomb for Shanghai Port in their early season draw with local rivals Shenhua and Adam Taggart has finally pulled on the pink of Saritzo Osaka debuting against their local rivals, Gamba.
1: Back to England, Chelsea. No, comment on Tackett, your, um, no, your good local fanboy.
3: Well, I did say Steph Cutley might be a bit underdone. I think Adam will as well. He is, of course, the incumbent in the mm-hmm. uh, the green and gold shirt. He played in that magnificent Matt, uh, win they had in their last uh, World Cup qualifier. Yeah, he's got a bit of work to do uh, to, to get fit. We know that's always the main concern with Adam, but I think he'll definitely be part of the, 30, the 30-man squad that heads over for the World Cup qualifiers. Moving on, Chelsea have demonstrated some contrition regarding their attempt to join the European Super League by announcing three supporter representatives will attend board meetings from July. The Blues were one of, far, uh, one of the first teams to pull out of the breakaway two weeks ago, with Roman Abramovich stating they'd only join to stay in touch with the rest. The club will now liaise with unofficial supporter groups for candidates with elections to follow. Rob, you'd suspect that they'd have minimal sway. You hope this is more than just a, a token gesture, but yeah, you... It's, it's a step in the right direction, nonetheless.
1: Now, uh, having done a lot of reading and listening and viewing on the whole subject, like most people who, who are passionate about the game have done in recent times, um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, quietly confident that, uh, that Chelsea uh, and Abramovich in particular have, have learned the power of the fans' voice um, and, uh, and will actually listen and make some effort because... The one thing's for sure: if they're treated uh, as uh, as just mere as decorations in in these meetings, then they'll come out and let the general public know. So, uh, yeah, I, I know it might be a little naive, but uh, I I think that um, we might be seeing that the first shift towards some. Genuine voice at the at the in the corridors of power from from the fans,
3: and it might seem a silly sort of technicality to pick up, but in your reading of you found it, are they going to actually be board members, or are they are they going to be just sort of decoration sitting there, just attending the meetings, or are they officially going to be on the board?
1: Yeah, I think the latter is the impression that, that I get, but um, but again, looking more broadly at, at the purpose of, of Abramovich owning the club in a similar way to uh, to City, that uh, he doesn't need the money. He's doing it for prestige, and, and you look, you know, those uh, uh, who uh, you know, are cynical, and I think with plenty of reason to be so, uh, uh, call sports washing uh, the motivation. But uh, whatever it happens to be, if they've learnt their lesson, then, um, then it's got to be good for the fans.
3: Former Arsenal and Germany goalkeeper Jens Lehmann has been removed from Hertha Berlin's supervisory board after calling footballer-turned-pundit Dennis Aogo a quota black guy. Lehmann sent the WhatsApp message directly to Aogo himself, who posted a screenshot on Instagram. Hertha president Werner Gegenbauer, that's a great name, Michael, has said such statements are in no way representative of the values Hertha stand for. We've all sent messages to people that... You know, might have been the wrong person at the time, but we Maybe. haven't all sent no. racist no. messages That's to right. the actual Maybe. victims themselves. Did, did no. You, no. Have you got
1: his explanation that he was trying to sort of um, explain that uh, he said he was a positive member of the quota and oh, and no. it was a good uh, example for other um, people of his community. What's the uh, analogy
2: when you uh, start digging yourself a hole? <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you better stop because you might dig it deeper. <laughs> yeah. I think he's. Uh, I think uh, poor old Jennifer, he might get out of that. So right? He's um, he's he's gonna. Struggle for years to get into at Kigisny. I mean, uh, and um, if that's the way he thinks, then uh, mm. maybe he's getting to Any reflection tests. on the
2: German community at all, do you think? Or is it just a outlier, sort of a crazy look, or is it more sort of ingrained in the German
1: community? What do you think? Oh, no, I, I think he's representative of, of of a type of thinking rather than than, than a nationality. I think, um, you know, there's, uh, there's good Australians, bad Australians, there's racist Australians and there's yep. uh, open-minded Australians, the same as yeah, I mean, the right, Germans do have a, a fair track record for making some bad decisions. We don't need to go there in too much detail, but, you know, they seem to have learned a lot over the past several decades. So, you know, he's got his right whack and he's going to suffer for it.
3: I want to head over to Japan, although it's been early in the J-League season, Michael. It's been uh, a massive week in determining how the uh, how that season might just play out. I've watched a fair bit of it and really enjoyed it. Kawasaki Frontale affirmed to win their second successive title after dominating their main competitor, Nagoya Grampus, in back-to-back league matches. In a fixture quirk, Japan's two best sides met twice in five days, with Kawasaki making Nagoya look pretty second-rate, in my opinion, winning 4-0 and 3-2. Having conceded just three goals in the first 12 games, Mitch Langerach and Nagoya conceded seven across these two. There is still a long way to go, but yeah, after 14 rounds, Kawasaki do lead by nine points. And elsewhere in Japan, Pete Klomowski has landed another job, this time with J2 club Montedeo Yamagata. Fantastic for Pete. We won't wish him all the best, but uh, Kawasaki,
2: a lot... Uh, in Australia anyway it doesn't get said about them but they're a super club a superpower of that competition just more broadly on Japan Rob I noticed that um, public health experts are are becoming more and more outspoken in Japan about uh, the Olympic Games and whether they're safe to stage their vaccine rollout has been going very slow where only about 1% of the public's been inoculated Uh, the Japanese medical systems recently come at a strain for new cases of people being hospitalised I think Games organisers need 10,000 medical workers to stage the games safely. In particular, 500 registered nurses, and the union said they won't make those nurses available because of the impact on the health system should they be uh, sucked out of the health system to support the Olympics. Is and deaths in uh, Japan are now uh, uh, surpassed 10,000. So.
1: Uh,
2: that information against the backdrop. Do you really think the Olympic Games are going to happen?
1: Yes, I do. I think the world, even with that, I think even I, I with think an election yeah. in September. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think eighteen months on um, from there's a federal election COVID, in September in Japan. Um, the world is is doing what uh, it needs to do to to live as close to. A normal life as it can possibly be done, and that the resources of the entire world community are uh, are being put into play to to make this happen. So, uh, I think if there was one country in the world you'd want it to be in right now, it's Japan because they bathe themselves; that's, they do what they're told. That's our and, perspective, um, isn't and, it?
2: But what about yeah. what if you're, a, if you're a Japanese national? And uh, that's just an opinion. I just, I just, every variant of the the virus is going yeah. to come in with the Olympic Games participants. You
1: know, yeah. I, I don't necessarily say that my opinion is right or wrong or it's the right decision or not i just think it's going to happen what do you reckon uh
3: i tend to decide with rob whether it's appropriate or not i think yeah i think they're going to i think they're This far down the track um, there, There's no means really To uh, to move it or cancel it I think we'll be seeing it going ahead And a, a sad one to finish Medical experts have deemed Diego Maradona received Deficient and reckless healthcare Before his passing last November Prosecutors ordered an investigation Into uh, Maradona's medical team With the 70 page report Now finding he was not properly monitored In the 12 hours leading up to his death So no winners out of that one Rob I'm sure the great man is resting With a big smile on his face
1: Yeah well you know If he's got a big TV and um He's, uh, he's got a lounge and a disco and, um, and uh, all the entertainment that he needs then. Well, I hope he is. But I, I do think uh, for a bloke who was a self-confessed drug addict and alcoholic who lived uh, a life uh, uh, so far in excess of any excess than most people could even imagine um, that uh, you can't blame the doctors. Um, Diego's got to cop the responsibility for this.
2: Willem, the people I talk to in heaven tell me he's looking for <laughs> Pelé. He still can't believe he died before Pelé. <laughs> he,
1: just, he thinks <laughs> Pelé's got to be there somewhere. Okay, keep looking, Diego. Yeah, he might be joining you there in the next few years. Anyway, well and well. Do you talk to people um, in heaven, Rob? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yes, yes. I'm a man of deep faith. So I talk to my mother all the time. Good. Yeah, ask her for some uh, help along the way. (laughs) Bubble Gnush as well? Oh, yeah, we had some good Leb food last week after the show. Did we ever? Yeah, (laughs)
3: outstanding.
1: All right, well, well done, boys. Okay, after the break, we're going to talk to Jamie Jackson. He's from The Guardian. Uh, The Super League story rolls on. This is another iteration of it. It's the Manchester United blow-up at Old Trafford. The Glazers, uh, worst owners in world football. Are they? We'll ask Jamie and find out on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage king.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be
1: the most crucial yes, This goal is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. Now, like everyone else in the football media, the football-loving world, we've been gripped by the, uh, the European Super League story over the past few weeks. And it looked like it died down a little bit until the... Uh, supporters of the Manchester United uh, Turned up at Old Trafford And uh, and staged a protest Which stopped the game Against uh, against Liverpool uh, We um, had been hoping To talk to somebody Of great uh, knowledge On the subject And we found exactly that man He's the uh, chief football writer With the Guardian In Manchester Jamie Jackson Also the author Of The Red Apprentice The Ole Gunner Solskjaer biography Welcome to the show Jamie how are you mate? Very good thank you How are you? Yeah we're really good Jamie And um, as you know There's a, a massive Diaspora of, of fans and and, and uh, supporters of uh, of the Premier League in Australia, as there is all around the world, and and sure. and uh, there's no club supported uh, um, with more uh, enthusiasm than than Manchester United. And and to see that uh, it, it's such a big game. I mean, that match against Liverpool had so much riding on it. Let alone the fact that it's one of the great sporting events of the world. Uh, um, yeah. In your opinion, um, was this an opportunity for the supporters to 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 finally? Take the, Seize the day um, In the wake Of the Super League story And just, just Vent their spleens At the Glazers and, and, and get it on the public record Around the world
7: Yes I mean The um, The profile of the game You know Manchester United Liverpool
1: is obviously Their biggest game
7: United off also Liverpool um, The fact that If they Can in a loss Manchester City Would become champions They was on a bank holiday weekend All added to this whole Profile You know The world is watching Kind of thing But also The ESL, the now defunct European Super League, had basically heightened, you know, these fans, these supporters, dislike, disaffection with regard to the Glazers' ownership, which has been festering for 16 years. You know, the illegality, the trespassing, the sort of breaking toward Trafford, the the police officer who sadly got slashed, that's all absolutely bang out of order. And as Solskjaer was saying yesterday in the press conference, you know, a, um, a police matter, as it should be. But, you know, putting that to one side, the actual, you know, uh, what's at the root of this, is, as I say, a 16-year disaffection uh, with the Glazers' ownership, obviously they bought in 2005. And I don't think it's going away. I think, from what I'm told, there's no concrete plans at the moment for another protest, but there will be others. For example, uh, I'm just trying to remember this because it's been rearranged, I think Leicester now, is the next game at home Game is Leicester on Tuesday, and the Liverpool one, the rearranged one, is Thursday, and, uh, it's just Thursday week, two days after Leicester. So, there's two opportunities. Um, so let, let's see what happens.
1: To add insult to injury, of course, for, uh, for United fans, Um the noisy neighbours are winning everything, um, and even though their owners got involved with the Super League, uh, the Abu Dhabi group um, have have invested a lot in in the area and turned what mm. was a you know a, a part of town that was uh, um, you know pretty yeah. downtrodden, um, and and it's the exact opposite of what the Glazers have done. Glazers are still ripping out uh, um, dividends from the club when it's uh, when it's making uh, um, a loss. So uh, it, it, that surely yeah. that just adds a, a you know a, a piquancy to the whole thing. To uh, to just f- outrage the supporters uh, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, if you just
7: consider that at the moment the debt remains 455 five million plus, in terms of interest payments to service that debt, it's obviously the debt that they loaded on the to buy it, it's like you know, what known as a leveraged buyout in 2005. It has been £1 billion plus just to service that debt. So, my math isn't great, but that's basically one and a half billion pounds, which, you know, the club has lost effectively. Which makes it all the more, more remarkable that, you know, for the sort of eight years under you know, the Glacier's Glazers ownership that Ferguson continue to be retired. I think we basically have if it's not their most successful, basically one of them periods, you know, they've won I think five five Premier Leagues, the Champions League, uh, some domestic cups. Uh, but imagine where they would be now you know, with that money, but it's, as you're basically indicating, that it's not just about the money. It's about uh, the lack of sort of real investment in the club as a club. There's no heart, there's no soul, and yeah, this is this is what was interesting for me. So after the ESL blew up, you know, the Ken Front and United pulled out. The Joe Glazer, one of the co-chairs, apologized and reservedly to use his words, and said they wanted to listen more. Well, cut to sort of yesterday, two days ago in Florida, there's a Sky News. Uh, team, mm. uh, you know, a journalist there, uh, I think it was Avram Glazer, but forgive me if I've got that wrong, but one of the Glazers um, she had very diligently tracked down anything to say to the United fans. He didn't say a word all, or even no comment. I mean, this is the thing you see, when there's a silence into that void, all kinds of interpretations are sort of, you know, come about and that just again, it just comes across as disdain, especially as as I've just said, they promised to listen and speak. Now, no, from what I'm told, they're still formulating how best to deal with this. There are conversations going on, but there's nothing public. I mean, that, that apology I just mentioned was—I think—the first time fans have been directly addressed really since an initial interview in 2005. I mean, you have know, got to ask the question: Why would you not want to speak to your own fans? What is that about? I mean, you know, they have a perfect we have a perfect um, arena. There's an official United fans forum. It has 10, or 11 fans on it who represent different areas of, of Old traffic, so the matchday going fans that—that's convened. I don't know two or three times a year. Surely one of them has got it within their compass just to speak to that maybe once a year. Just take Mm. some questions. I just don't understand who's advising them.
2: I look look to the future and think, you know, what actually can happen to um, placate the fans uh, in relation to their objections about the ownership? And there's really nothing more than the Glazers selling the club, which there seems to be no prospect of. But how... How dynamite is this issue? And off the back of the Super League calamity, um, is this has does this have the potential to escalate into a full blown sort of diplomatic or political issue between between um, England and America on the basis of the the just the you can feel the disdain contempt. And almost hatred the fans have of the owners, and like you say, rightly they don't seem to be wanting to engage in any relevant or appropriate form of dialogue to address some of these concerns.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm told that they believe United, Manchester United, as a club, an entity, a business is concerned. If you like, could you know that they could grow it to be worth minimum ten billion dollars, and actually, dollars is is how it was characterised to me. But I think actually. It, you know, it could go beyond that to say £10, sorry, £10 billion. So they're not going anywhere. So that sort of answers basically the first sort of part of your question with regard to that, that, that's you know, that's fans 100% first choice, just sell up and, and off you go. Thanks for not too much. and <laughs> um, we'll, we'll move on. But be, so beyond that, if that's not going to happen in, in the, in the short term future, and the only thing I'd add as a caveat is it's football. You never know how these, you know, how anyone's thinking really, but you know, um, Beyond that, it's kind of what I mentioned. If we would just actually speak to the fans and actually sort of say, "Look, we are sorry. You're right to feel cheesed off. You know, I'm being polite there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been 16 years of basically disregard. We are sorry, and keep on taking questions until, to a certain extent, you've you've you know you've allowed people just to have a proper say. I'm not saying that's going to make the Glazers um, popular. I don't think it will. But what I'm saying is. From their point of view, if they've got anything about them, if they actually do mean what they said in that statement, that apology, um, you know, that, 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 that's what I would be advising them to do. Actually, properly engage, make good on your promise. Now, maybe this will happen. Yeah, maybe this will happen. We are only two weeks, I believe, uh, since the ESL and et cetera. But you know, just going on on, on the glazing yesterday, or two days ago in it doesn't seem like he, you know. Anyway, but in terms of a diplomatic thing, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too sure it'll it'll, it'll become ratcheted up beyond the fans and the glazers I mean, what I, t- I tell you what they would like and it's to a certain extent all football owners getting it in the neck a little bit when the team's not doing well if you look at Abramovich at Chelsea okay I'm not saying he's perfect and anything like that but in terms of a profile of an owner who doesn't really say much um, but puts his it, it because he's a man his own money into the club that's what we would like you know if the Glazers put in, if the Glazers basically if it was the way around if they put you know half a billion in or sorry half a billion or whatever it is of done probably more actually then the fact they don't say anything becomes immaterial because it's, it's you know they're putting the money where the mouth is, isn't it's <laughs> like but they're getting nothing in fact it's the reverse they're getting nothing and they're having money drained from their club and you know Manchester United I, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of, of the club I'm not really a fan of any football team I'm sort of like a lap spot in a forest um, uh, support when I was a kid, but my son is where I live is a big Manchester United area, and as you just said, Australia the have reached the club. It is a cultural phenomenon, and but at heart you've still got these fans who really care about it being the club that it, it was the tradition. You know, Ferguson, about Busby. It was formed out of a sort of railway workers' team, uh, New and in the sort of northeast of, of Manchester. You know, that's where it was originally. so know the, the they care about these things, and I think that's that, that's right. I think anyone really who's right-minded. Believes that you know there is a,
4: <laughs>
7: a football club's a bit like a church, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's got a soul to it. It's a community centre, and the Glazers just—I think they've been so errant in the way in which they've dealt with this. Listen, they're American; they don't have the local ties. I, I understand that, but it's such a it's such a great club to to sort of be a part of. I'm surprised they haven't really more enjoyed the process. It almost seems like kinda wanna avoid anything to do with it, which is odd.
2: Well, they're not football people, are they? I mean, they're, they're American football people. They've got deep roots in the NFL. They see this as a commercial yeah. uh, transaction. I mean, Obrenovic. Um, I mean, obviously, he, he's looking for political acceptance, but he at least he's a football person. He, he he's seen at games, supporting, cheering. He he gets down and sees the development squads train and play. So um, it, I think that's even worse for Manchester United fans. The fact that they've just got this you know Titan you know sports franchise owners out of the US that are just buying them for pure commercial reasons. And, and I guess that's uh, at the core of what uh, all this is about. And fans all over the world, they're hurting. The Manchester United fans are hurting out of the ESL stuff, out of the Super League debacle, probably more than any others, I'd say.
7: Yeah. Gary Neville, for example, would be the perfect owner for them. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he wouldn't get flat, but you know he'd be engaging with supporters. It'd be a two-way thing. It'd be a really healthy, sort of vibrant relationship. You understand what I mean? And it'd be fun. Fans wouldn't care if the team were losing or if you didn't get this player because a figure like Gary Neville, I even say a social You understand what I mean? Someone who now these people don't go on trees because they have to come with the requisite. I mean, at the moment the club's worth about three billion, so you know that doesn't go on trees. But you understand what I'm saying? But what 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 I think is you say there about that they're not football people, but I don't even think they're sports people. If they were sports people, it wouldn't matter that they, that, that you know football or soccer as they call it in America wasn't you know their sort of true love. They would love sports. It's interesting that they've just won the Super Bowl at Tampa Bay, basically with a player who's one of the all-time great Brady. But they basically got him because he was released by the Patriots. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like they went out and got right. Went right. We want the sort of Kylian Mbappe of the NFL, or we want the, the you know the, the Leo method. You got a got a guy who was considered not washed up, but, you know, surplus to requirements, and, and, it, and it was clever. But I'm saying that's kind of a classic Glazer sort of thing. Um, now, what I would say is, and this is correct, this is true, it's the fact that their £200 million spent in the last two years is the most of any you know, any club, basically, in the world, because it's the most of it in Europe, which obviously dwarfs anywhere else. But this is the whole point. This message It's not come across because of all the other stuff, because he won't engage, because it's it the other way around. I'm seeing quite a lot of stuff over here in Australia that, that fans are actually saying, you know what? So the protests, for example, on Sunday, if we, if we get to get up points, do we really care? No, because we want these people out, and that's a strength of feeling. That says that says to me, for them, it's beyond the short term. Or oh, we need to win, we need to be in City, we need to be normal, which obviously they want to do. That's what it's about. But you know, this how sad it's become. They actually just want anything to get rid of these people, and it's I don't know. Really, it's, um, it's a shame. It's a shame on all sides. I, I think the Glades have, have kind of come across a little bit of they, they've lost where they should be. I don't really think they should be involved in this uh, in United because yeah, for them it's a business, but it is. I suppose seeing, it's not just a business. It comes with a whole responsibility to fans who are basically the club. It's not obvious thing to say, but if you don't have fans, we've seen the come of the lockdown. If you don't have fans around. You don't have fans loving a football club or any sporting entity, whatever it might be. You know, then what you're left with, really, you're left with a load of, you know, sort of a shell of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an entity.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's uh, ultimately what it's all about. It's a, uh, it's the lack of uh, empathy, the lack of. Care um, the fact that they just don't seem to be interested, and uh, they're lucky that they've got uh, yeah. a, a red through, a red devil through and through in sol show who's uh, not only uh, uh, central to so many of the, the the great stories over recent times of, uh, of Manchester United, but is uh, uh, also uh, getting a tune out of, of the squad and uh, and getting some yeah. decent results. Hey Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. We encourage all of our listeners, uh, Manchester. United Sporters or otherwise to get a hold of the Red Apprentice. It's a great read, and uh, uh, you can get it online. Uh, and uh, uh, you'll you'll oh, really you. enjoy it. No, not at all, Jamie. And um, you know, we uh, we obviously uh, do plenty of reading on the Guardian as well, and read your copy too, mate. We uh, we thoroughly enjoy it, and mate, we hope uh, we can right. have you thank back you. on again soon, mate. Of course, anytime. Thanks, a thank no, Brilliant. Good on you, Jamie. Stay well, Jamie Jackson from the Guardian. Manchester United, Okay, the glaciers, that story's not going anywhere. All right, we'll continue with Europe. Dino's going to jump on the line next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage king.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial
1: goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. It's been a busy show, but for the first time this show, we welcome our great mate, Dean Hennessy. How are you, Dino? Very good, how are you? Yeah, really good, mate. So we've, we've covered Ram. off... King Ram, King Ram, he's back. Dino, King the Rams. <laughs> we've, sorry, we've, we've covered it. yes. He's, we'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, get to the Derby County in a little bit. One I know, it's a bit ner- nervous times for Dean. Nervous times just, for Dean. So we've talked CDR, we've talked to Jamie Jackson uh, before the break about um, Manchester United, but uh, but what we want to talk about is, uh, is, is uh, you know, some of the football on the puck, <laughs> for a change. Uh, the Champions League... Uh, the um, the the results were starkly different I mean uh, PSG imploded And um, and Manchester City took their rightful place uh, As it seems destined in the final of the Champions League But Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel Jeez um, they, they just uh, are, are developing and, and they will be a serious threat Obviously having beaten them already uh, um, a, a couple of weeks ago, Dina Look, it, um, it was a superb
4: performance uh, Thomas Tuchel's um what he's done in the time he's been there. And as we all know, that Frank brought a lot of these players in, but you know, and they got off to a really good start early in the season. I think they were top in December. Yeah, well, Frank uh, deserves
1: uh, credit for, for getting them identified, yeah. doesn't he?
4: Yeah, he does, you know, and he brought the team together, but then obviously something went wrong. So we most probably don't know exactly how that all came about, but when Thomas Tuchel came in, it, uh, it's just changed the whole place. I mean, they've lost one game. Think in the league, which was that West Brom debacle when they had the clean sheet. outside below. of that, they're doing just unbelievable clean sheet after clean sheet, and uh, they thoroughly deserve to uh, beat, um, to beat Real Madrid. I thought Real Madrid looked aged and. Almost
1: finished. The result for City against PSG, the you know the the way that PSG imploded. It's uh, they're almost a caricature of themselves when this sort of stuff happens. I mean, admittedly they didn't have Mbappe, and they were coming uh, from behind, uh, you know, in that uh, that tie. But uh, it just all went pear shaped pretty much from the outset, didn't it?
4: Yeah, look, it did. I mean, uh, again, City quality team, uh, and, and and I want to really raise the like the profile, I guess. Mares because we're always talking about the De Bruyne and, you know, and all the others, but this Mares absolutely dominated this game, and he just, I mean, you know, he did it at Leicester and won a championship, he's, he's now doing it just regularly, Mm. For me, he's one of the best players on the pitch.
1: Well, he's turning up first. every week in, week out, isn't he? Is. Dino? He He, he yeah, was a bit of a, um, uh, the type of player that came uh, once every three or four matches, uh, but now he's doing it all the time. And,
4: no, uh, it's week in, week out now. Robbie's spot on. It's uh, a it, pleasure to watch him. He's so good and, and he just knows where to be. It's just an unbelievable time. And, look, uh, to be fair, they're playing some really good football,
1: system. Well, look, let's let's look at the um, the Premier League briefly before we we take a look at the Championship because this weekend is the last round of the Championship and it's all to play for uh, in terms of releg- relegation and promotion. But um, but City have got the job done, and uh, I think what we're really talking about here is the, uh, the who, who will secure the, those last few spots uh, uh, for um, for Europe and um, and uh, the, uh, the, the the relegated side seem already decided.
4: Man City look. They're, well, they're, they look like champions. I think there's, there's no, you know, it's catching them. Yeah, so they, United
1: can catch them mathematically, but it's and, not going to happen.
4: And, and I think United will go all the way to push as many points as they can. Mm. But obviously, they've got other things on their mind as well. They're obviously winning, you know, some silverware as well. Uh, Leicester, they're in a good position. Um, but Chelsea look like, as we've already mentioned, Chelsea already. Mm. They're right on the heels now. And uh, West Ham, not too far away. Only uh, three points behind. And then Tottenham um, with that uh, uh, Gareth Bale hat-trick. Um, and to, to be honest, I don't know if you saw the goals, but the goals were unbelievable, all mm. three of them. And I think, I think we don't leave even Liverpool out because they've got that game in hand yes. that pushes yes. them to that uh, 57 Mark But outside of that Everton I'm going to Trouble it I don't think Now I think they're Just a little bit Too inconsistent
1: Edge um, you, you
4: want
2: to jump in oh, I just wanted to Jump in Because Richard Scudamore The former Premier League CEO Gave a very Rare public Interview To uh, Gary Neville On uh, on Sky Sport in the UK where he said that the uh, there must be consequences for the six clubs, the Super League clubs. Now, what consequences means or whether that means punishment, I don't really know, but Scudamore is actually uh, advising the 14 non-Super League clubs. Um, his direct quote is, I cannot explain why any of them thought it was a good idea. I am the person who'd been telling them for years it was a crazy idea and could not happen. What's happened in the last week is that it's been stopped and that's the right thing. There has to be some consequences. I think something will have to be extracted by way of undertakings or at least a change in attitude. So that's um, from from um, from Richard Scudamore, who very rarely speaks publicly. And so that was a significant thing. And I just wonder whether consequences or punishment for the big six, whether that will actually transpire. And if it does, what it would be, Dino? Yeah, look, I
4: think if he was still in charge, and obviously like he's come out now and in public uh, with this statement um he would have done something about it now whether whether the top brass now you know running the, the Premier League uh have got these you know because for me it was it was a total trust issue you know for the fans for for the players you know they had players and coaches being asked questions and they had no idea what was going on most of them and it uh, it just looked really really bad but the good thing thing is that at least they all did. Pull out eventually, and they did it on their own esteem, even with a little bit of pressure. So, um, my worrying thing is a little bit about like the Man United, where they're going to have some more, you know, uh, stoppages and maybe going, you know, to uh, and and that was a poor look last last weekend, and that's what we don't need really. So, um, for me, I, I don't know. I, I think there should be some form of punishment. What it looks like, hard to tell.
1: So Dino, uh, we'll move on to the championship, it's the final round before the, the playoffs for the, uh, um, the the final spot in the Premier League, but uh, the, the one big match, and, and we really didn't see this one coming necessarily, did we? I mean, we've been talking about Derby and, and, and whether Rotherham would be the problem, but, but yeah. Sheffield Wednesday now have, have uh, moved into the box seat, the goal difference there's just one apart, so... If, Sheffield are sitting in 23rd spot. They're on 40 points, but Derby County are on 43. So if they win... They pretty much leapfrog Grotham and uh, Derby County and stay in the championship. And Dean, yeah, they do. Um, what? What? I mean, Derby, you've just been spinning down the the spiral. Uh, I mean, no, they uh, have. It, and, and Wayne Rooney, uh, everyone uh, is a critic these days. He was the wrong person, sh- too inexperienced, shouldn't have got the job. Uh, but they weren't saying that when um, he, when he when he f- was first appointed, were they? No, they weren't. I mean, look,
4: he you know he was playing co- player coach as well, where – that's never easy to do, but he, he saw the light with that and, uh, and realistically, yeah, I mean, look, I'm surprised that they, they aren't down here. But if I look at it and, and I've, I've, I've analysed everything, I did a little, just a scenario that basically Derby v. Sheffield, when the Derby need to win, draw or lose, because they can, they can still lose and stay up.
1: Right? Mm -hmm. Well, well, I I, I do like your assessment there. They need to win, draw, or lose. They can win,
4: win, draw, or lose. That is one of those
1: three is going to happen.
4: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So Cardiff and Rotherham. Rotherham win. Derby must win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cardiff, Rotherham, Rotherham draw. Derby stay up. Mm -hmm. So if they draw, they stay up. And then we can very, very unlikely with a goal difference. It's just a matter of if they're going to go and score eight goals away Mm. from home and, Mm. and, and turn that goal difference... All Derby really have to do is just get that result mm. against Sheffield Wednesday. So, you know, again, that's the scenario. But I think Derby at home and Sheffield, all right, they're there. But I mean, a draw's not going to help Sheffield. They're going to have to win.
2: So, Dino, just explain to me again if Sheffield Wednesday beat Derby County, how can Derby County stay up? They can't. There you go, win or draw. So it all comes down to that, Dino. And I wish you all the very
1: best. On he's so sincere, Dean. Insincere, Dean. And I, 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 was just like you know I know a lot, a, Dino, lot so. a
4: lot, a lot of the Nottingham Forest fans have have a lot of sympathy at the
1: moment.
2: <laughs> How's your fan game? It's been running hot, Richard Rudsky nah, and no, John no, Bucket, Beckett. And
4: yeah, yeah, Bucket's been given a little bit, but uh, we can deal with that. <laughs>
2: The King Ram himself, i tell you what, mm. they have uh, – g- well, what a game. Yeah. What a game it's going to be, Dino. Well, they'll be ramming it, it here he's and ramming it everywhere massive. if this they lose, massive. mate. I know. It's All obviously right. uh, around about 10 o'clock on Sunday night. I may go into hiding. List- yeah. Listeners, <laughs> uh, we're going to be putting Dino on Suicide Watch. So we we'll would be we're <laughs> rostering, rostering shifts at Dean's house to make sure he's going to be okay. You'll be right, Dino.
4: Yeah, I'm no. pretty confident they'll just pull it out the fire for some reason. I don't know
1: why. <laughs> we'll all be watching it together, mate. All right, Dino, stick around. We're going to talk uh – stoppage time. We're going to talk Steve Keen. If you haven't seen this article, it's outrageous. Uh, uh, very upset with uh, the new coach <laughs> coming in at uh, Melbourne Victory, Tony Bobovich. So you, know, you just sit tight there, mate. We're going to talk about this after the break on Box to Box.
0: Okay,
1: lovely. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage moving and more. And this could be the most
1: crucial goal yes, of this all. is Box to Box. We hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Uh, it's been jam-packed. Graham Arnold, Adriano Del Monte, Jamie Jackson, of course Dean Hennessy, he's still with us. So it is stoppage time. The fourth official's given us about seven minutes uh, before we get into this story with uh, Steve Keen and Tony Popovich, Storage King. Is your home running out of space? Then call our very good friends at Storage King. You did cluttering, moving or renovating, downsizing, creating a home office post-COVID. So many people are finally realizing you've got to get that extra space. So make the decision now. Make the space with Storage King. They have got the answer, they've got stores everywhere. Location's just around the corner. They've got storage professionals who'll help you with everything. Go to storageking.com.au to find your nearest store and give let Storage King give you back some space. Nice whistling there, gentlemen. I like it. Thank you. Willem loves that jingle. I do indeed. The kings of the storage business. Biggest in the nation. There's a million reasons why you'll need us.
2: With only one solution. Oh, he's done well. (laughs) Well done.
1: (laughs) Alright, uh, This Edge sent this story to us, so I had to laugh, I, I couldn't believe, I mean Steve Keane is a professional and he's been around for a long long time but, um, but dropping the bucket from the height that he did on Tony Popovich Willem uh, was uh, surprising
3: yeah Rob, so he slammed Popper as unprofessional and out of order He's alleged that Popper's been shaping what will be Tony's squad for next season Without informing Keane, he's been giving a few players the uh, the tap on the shoulder ahead of time And, and making his intentions clear Last week Keane told Journos he was in control of squad selection and youth opportunities for now uh, And yeah, he's agreed that Popper's undermined this Well done to Joey Lynch for breaking this one on ESPN and, uh, and the World Game as well Look, everyone knows Popper is taking a huge broom through everyone and everything at Melbourne Victory that he thinks needs to be done. And I think that Steve Keane is going to be a big part of that. I don't know why he's opened his mouth here. I think he's been there for five minutes. I think he's going to be irrelevant in another five. And um, I just don't understand why Keane's opened his mouth here. Uh,
2: Dino, uh, the bit of the the article that sort of... um uh, Grabbed my attention Wasn't so much What Willem said But he Steve Keane Said that he Tried to ring Popovich <laughs> And Popovich Didn't pick up Or has not Returned his phone call What do you read Into that Dino?
4: Um, Obviously Not too much Respect for him
1: I'd say That's what it is So Dino You're the You're the coach Amongst us um, Surely what Popper's doing Happens all the time Every time yeah, cool. There's an interim coach It's just de rigueur. So, so why would Steve Keane be surprised?
4: I don't know. I mean, I don't know Steve Keane. I mean, I know of him. I know what he was like in England and obviously then when he came over to help Rebs out over here. Um, I don't really know. I've, you know I'm, I'm not close to it, but from my point of view, Tony Popovich um, and, and, and this is, if they're going to do a rebuild, which I think they're going to exactly, that's exactly what they are going to do. You can't just sit on your hands and let all these opponents uh, who who are in the same league being able to talk to people and try and bring people in. He wants to do that himself and he wants to do it now. And and unfortunately, with that caretaker role, that's what it is. It's a caretaker, and and realistically, uh, it doesn't look like Steve Keenan is going to be there for next season. So I'm I'm quite surprised why he put his head above the 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 It you know because I just don't know why because um, that's what everybody does, and, and you can't really blame Popper.
3: And an, and an additional point, um, Steve Keynes dragged JP to marry into this as well. He said JP's also in the dark and hasn't been contacted by Popper, so that probably doesn't bode too well for uh, JP's future at the club either.
4: I mean, that sounds like he's already going to go for somebody else uh, and bring his own assistant and backroom staff, and that's what most clubs do, sorry, most coaches do. They want the right people that they believe and can trust and that's a really, really big word in football uh, of having trustworthy people around you because you know, I've been a, a coach for quite a many many a year and it's quite a lonely one unless you've got really good stuff around you.
1: Yeah, exactly. I can just imagine when Anthony Pietro got wind of this article He thought, for God's <laughs> sake, what's going to happen next? <laughs> it's just a blow-up at the victory. This season can't be over. I thought he
4: was good, though, as well, Rob. You know, DiPietro, when he did the, um, the exit for uh, Brebs, I thought he spoke really well.
1: Michael, uh, Gianni Infantino, Yeah, he um, gave
4: an
2: interview to the great French daily newspaper... Uh, Le Quip, which is one of the great uh, publications in world journalism. It is an absolute cracker. Is so, that the De Sport? Yeah, that one's a good one too. But, uh, I got my best French and uh, dropped the article into Google Translate and this is what it said. Um, uh, Infantino said, Perhaps my words will now be better received. Soccer's actors working with political bodies must ask the right questions and propose solutions. That was his uh, response to um, the a question directly relating to the Super League fallout. But he did say that reforms were needed in the sport to ensure that uh, those less fortunate could be better off in the future and bridge the gap between the super clubs. And uh, he – some of these – this is what he rattled off. And some of these hadn't been sort of publicly let out of the bag just yet. So he's talking salary caps – plus caps on transfer fees and caps on agents' fees. That would be a very significant thing if, if some of that was holistically uh, rolled out right across uh, football generally. Limits on maximum number of players on rosters with requirements for minimum or homegrown players. Limits on the number of games a player can play in a season along with minimum rest days between games. Reduction in the maximum number of teams in leagues as well as an expanded club Cup, which we've talked about and also a true revolution, whatever that means for women Football,
1: so that was uh, Gianni's latest uh, or- oration from the pulpit, Rob. And, and if you, you don't get the chance to watch it edge in three D as he's sort of twinkling <laughs> his fingers, giving us the uh, the sort of uh, inverted commas sort of kind of look uh, on steroids. Yes, uh, whatever that means. I thought that was the word or the sort of statement of the day. Well done, Johnny. You are the ultimate um, politician in football. <laughs> Dino, hey, good luck this salary weekend. cap in the Premier League, Dean. You'd support that? Yep. Sorry? a
2: salary cap in well, the Premier League. We've got 15 wish, seconds. Yeah, I'll I, 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 I just say I can't see that ever coming in. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: Well done, Dino. Nice answer. Dino, good luck this weekend for Derby. Yeah,
3: come on, you Rams. Come on, the Wednesday.
1: Oh, nice one.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Michael. Great show. See you, Dean. Thanks,
1: Dave. Thanks, Damo. Ciao, Damo, sitting down there. How do How do you there, from the City of hey, yourself. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. We hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been good fun from our when talking to Arnie and Adriano and Jamie and, uh, and getting through uh, a bunch of stuff on football uh, on box to box. So uh, we love it and we hope you do too. So, and we do hope you join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.